You're listening to the message podcast of High Ridge Church Longview, where our vision is to help you know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and ultimately make a difference. We are so glad that you're here, and we pray that this message impacts your life as you apply the spiritual truths from God's Word in practical ways. Let's listen in. Good morning. I'm so glad that you could make it. For all of you that are tuning in all around the world, we want to say good morning. And uh, it may not be morning where you are, but the presence of God is here, and we believe that God's going to take away your morning and turn morning into dancing. Come on, somebody. We're so glad that you could make it. Hi, Ridge family. Let's welcome in all of our amazing people watching from all around the world with a big round of applause, if you wouldn't mind. We're so glad that you could tune in. Grab your Bibles, if you wouldn't, and follow along. We're going to spend some time in the book of Luke. Luke chapter 5, Luke chapter 5. We're going to continue on with our series called One Small Step. One small step. And sometimes to be able to follow the path that God has for us, it all starts with one small step of faith. I wonder how many people will live their lives and never take one step of obedience, never take one step of faith that God has for them. We want to do everything by common sense, but I know this, God has a step for you. And it won't always make a lot of sense on this side of it, but it gets, to, it gets to work itself out as you continue to step by faith. There is a step for you. I may not know what it is, but I know that you have one. Come on, somebody. I know that you've got a step of faith to take. And I'm so glad that you, by just being here today, you've taken one step of faith. And I'm believing that as we turn our attention to God's word, God's going to show you what the next one is. And I know that you can do it. You can absolutely do this. So Luke chapter 5 is where we're going to spend our time. And we're kind of uh, relating all this back to man's first step onto the surface of the moon. What a powerful, amazing time in our, in our world. Now, I'm not, a, I'm not a 60s kid, so this wasn't something that I, was, uh, that I, that I grew up in. I'm a 70s, a 70s guy. Where's my Gen X people? Come on. That's what I'm talking about. My Blockbuster people. You remember Blockbuster. Be kind and rewind. Remember having to rewind a video? Some people are like, what? I have no idea what we're talking about, Gen Xers. So I wasn't raised around uh, the, the first steps on the moon, but as I'm digging into this and, and diving that, that deep rabbit hole of all the crazy facts that are happening, uh, there's some amazing things that, uh, that Neil Armstrong had to walk through just to be able to get onto the surface of the moon. Some amazing things that had to happen for us to be able to send a man to another planet. And uh, I didn't know these things about astronauts. Did you know that you age slower in space? Did you know that? Had no idea. Like some of you, you don't need lipo, you don't need Botox. We seem to send you to space. In space years, you're 11. You're wasting a lot of money. Just go space, it'll be fine. You age a lot slower. And then I didn't know this, but Russia, Russia's, Russia's cosmonauts, they're called cosmonauts, when they send them to space, part of their gear is each of them are supposed to take a shotgun to space. Some of you are like, that sounds like a great idea. A shotgun in space is not a good idea. On, but it, what shocked me, not was that they would do it, but that it was the Russians that did it, not Americans. That sounds uniquely American to me. What are we gonna need? We need a rocket. What does this guy need to carry? Oxygen and a shotgun. Like that's all. But this is in case they get blown off course on their way back in and they end up in some place where they have to kind of fight their way out or they have to kill to be able to eat for the few days before they get to them. And so they've included shotguns with their survival kits. And I also found out this, which was crazy, but even though Neil Armstrong was the first man to step foot on a planet, and it seems, uh, seems crazy that one person could do this, there were over 400,000 people that worked on the NASA project for him to take that one step. One step by one man 
supported by 400,000 people. And I know this about you, and I know this about myself. If you're gonna walk by faith, at times you're gonna feel incredibly alone. When God asks you to step out and do things that only you are being asked to do, when you step out in obedience, when you start becoming what God has called you to be, you're gonna feel incredibly alone, but that is not true. You're not alone. And just as Neil Armstrong had 400,000 people, Hebrews chapter eight says, we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, people that are cheering you on, people that have gone on before your parents and grandparents and great-grandparents, people that have gone on before you are cheering you on saying, you can absolutely do this. I know that as we're walking by faith, I'm gonna say it this way, walking by faith isn't possible for very long without help. You're gonna need some help. Now, you may not like to hear that, but it's the truth. I'm gonna need some help. And so in Luke chapter five, I wanna talk about the people that were able to use their faith to help someone who couldn't help himself. There will be times in your life where you're gonna need people to take you to the presence of Jesus when you can't get there yourself. Sometimes you're gonna have to rely on the faith of some amazing friends to do for you what you cannot do for yourself. Now, we don't like to think that other people will do for us what we cannot do. It. Nobody wants to think about that. We, want, we don't want to think about feeling helpless, feeling alone, feeling like I, I'm powerless to do this, but there will be times in your life where you're gonna to need to have people around you that can do for you what you cannot do for yourself. The same is true with our faith walk. And in this particular chapter, we focus in on a group of friends that did for a man what he could not do for himself, that got him to the presence of Jesus. The miraculous began to happen, not because of this man's faith, but because of the faith of his friends. I wonder if we took a, took a, a faith measurement of your circle of friends, what would that look like today? Are you the one that has the most faith in your friends group? Or are there people that bring out the best in you? So in Luke chapter five, follow along if you would, starting in verse 18. It says, some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. And when they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up to the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd, right in front of Jesus. Now think about explaining that to your insurance carrier on Monday morning. <laughs> now, why, why, why did you have, why, why do we have a big hole in your roof? Did lightning strike? Um, no. Uh, you're not gonna believe this. <laughs> but there were some guys that were up on my roof that cut a hole in it that lowered a paralyzed man with some ropes because we had, we had church in our house. And this is exactly what happens. This man's friends lower him on a mat through the roof right in front of Jesus. And when Jesus saw their faith, somebody say their faith. Jesus saw their faith and he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. By the way, not the response they were hoping for. Not what they, what they thought would happen. Jesus sees their faith and says, your sins are forgiven. Now, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, who is this fellow that speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? 
Jesus knew what they were thinking and asked, why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Now, if you've ever had a conversation with Jesus, you know that Jesus will speak to your thoughts. I've had times when Jesus has confronted me about the way that I'm thinking, and I'm like, yeah, but I didn't say it. I didn't actually say it. He's like, but this is what you were thinking. Why are you thinking that way? Like, don't, don't be reading my mind, man, that's weird. Only get mad at me if I actually say it. Don't get mad at me for thinking it. Yes, I thought it, but I didn't say it. That's a big step for me. I don't have a lot of filters. So just the fact that I thought it and didn't say it, I think, that, I think that's a step in the right direction, at least. But Jesus says, why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Why are you thinking that way? What's wrong with you? And look at this. He said, which is easier to say? Your sins are forgiven or to say, get up and walk. But I want you to know that the son of man has authority on earth to forgive sins. And so he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. Immediately he stood up in front of them, took what he had been lying on and went home Praising God, the very thing that brought him into the presence of Jesus, he is picking up and taking it out as a trophy. I think there's a lot that we could just spend, we could spend the rest of our time together today talking about the things that we bring into the presence of Jesus, things that have to carry us there, things that we don't like and are embarrassing, but things that bring us to the presence of Jesus and then one moment in God's presence and now they become a trophy. They become something to praise God about because it's no longer carrying me, I'm carrying it. And then it goes on to say, everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. I think that's putting it mildly. They were filled with awe and said to him, we have seen remarkable things today. It's crazy when, when, when Luke begins to write, you know, Luke is a doctor and he kind of he speaks things very matter of factly. He doesn't give a lot of rich and juicy details. He just said, everyone was happy. Everyone said, we have seen remarkable things today. Like, put an exclamation point in there, Doc. Come on. That was amazing. I love how he focuses the story on the faith of this man's friends and also what's happening in the hearts of some Pharisees. What happens when a group of friends bring a man to Jesus that could not get to Jesus himself? What happens when a group of people love someone so much that they will do for him what he cannot do? They will find hope for him when he can't get to it himself. I wonder, do you have those kind of friends? Are there some people in your life that you know will tell you maybe what you don't want to hear, will take you, take you to Jesus, even when you're not able to get there yourself? I know this about life. Life gets dark. Life gets hard. Life takes us places that we never thought we'd go. And what happens in those moments is critical in our faith walk. What happens when I, I can't take a step of faith? When I can't hear it? When I can't see it? When it doesn't make any sense to me? When I'm completely helpless? Do I have people that in spite of my best efforts will say, you're going. You need Jesus. We're praying for you. Do you have those kind of people? Heard a story one time of a guy that woke up and told his wife, I do not want to go to church today. I can't stand it. She's like, you're going. He's like, babe, I, I can't stand it. You know I can't stand it. She said, you're going. He said, I don't like the people. She said, you are going. He said, well, they don't even like me. She said, you're going. You're the pastor. <laughs> you have to go. 
I wanna give us four things that I think are really important, a timely word that we can pull out of Luke chapter five that still speaks to us today. Things that I believe will help you if you'll listen. I believe the text is screaming at us in our faith walk, giving us things that we need to understand in order to accomplish all that God has called us to accomplish. It talks a lot about our faith. Here's some things I wanna make sure that you see. If you're a note taker, make sure that you write this down. Number one, faith friends aren't hindered by inconvenience. Faith friends aren't hindered by inconvenience. And I need people that are not hindered by inconvenience, people that are willing to work around some stuff to make sure that I get what I need, to make sure that I can get to Jesus. Think about what, these, what the story tells us about these friends. It says they tried to get him to Jesus, so they're carrying him on a mat, trying to get him to Jesus, knowing that if they just get him to Jesus, Jesus will take care of their friend and, and he will help him. But then they get to the place where Jesus is and it's too crowded, they can't get in. I don't wanna be surrounded by those kind of people that would say, you know what, we tried, you know? And that's really what matters here. Your friends loved you enough to come pick you up and take you there. We couldn't get in, but it's the thought that counts. Like, no, 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 <laughs> we're so close. And then they were willing to risk the inconvenience of having to do something in front of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law that at any moment could have them excommunicated, have them and their families thrown out of the church, could have them put out of their social circles. They could, they could become outcasts. They're willing to risk that for this man that could not do anything for himself. They're willing to risk people looking at them awkwardly the moment that they start taking off tiles from some dude's roof. And then it says they lowered him on his mat with some ropes and just because they're carrying him doesn't mean that they brought rope, so they have to find some rope. I want some friends that are willing to steal for me. <laughs> the Lord has need of it. You stole it, that's what happens. It's a step of faith, it's not stealing if it's a step of faith. Some of you are like, that's the word I needed today. It's not stealing <laughs> if it's a step of faith. But think about the inconvenience that they worked around to make sure that this man could get in front of Jesus. I'm willing to interrupt things so that this person can get in front of Jesus. That's some real friends. They're not hindered by inconvenience. I think in our modern day American version of Christianity, we rely so much, way too much, on I'll do whatever God asks me to do as long as I'm comfortable. See, now, when you're in your teens, you're not motivated by comfort, you're motivated by cool. If it's cool, I don't care what it feels like. I don't care what it costs. I don't care what anybody thinks. It's cool. Right? And then there's, so, there's, there's an age. I'm not sure what that age is. I think it's between 35 and 45 where you become your parents and you don't care about cool anymore. You're motivated by comfort. I don't care what it looks like. It fits and it's clean. It feels good. I am comfortable. Why are you wearing that, Dad? It's embarrassing because it's comfortable. It's comfortable. I like it. And your teenagers just turn red from embarrassment. I don't care. They're not my friends. I ain't trying to embarrass you, but I don't care. I ain't trying to impress nobody. I don't know them. Their opinion matters to you. It doesn't matter to me. I'm a grown man. I'm going to be comfortable. Anybody else know what I'm talking about? Yes, you do. Some of you, you have, now you know what you're looking forward to. At some point, cool, don't care. Comfortable, that's all that matters. What happens when we apply that to our Christianity and to our faith walk? What happens when God asks us to step outside of what is comfortable? 
Because I found that in the majority of cases, and I say majority because I've not heard everyone's faith step, but in the majority of cases of, of all faith steps, I've actually never seen it ever be comfortable for anybody. I need people that are willing to be a little uncomfortable on my behalf, that are willing to do and go and become the things that other people, normal people, normal friends would say, ah, it's the thought that counts. No, 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 not just thoughts. I need you to, I need you to for real pray. I need you to do something. You see, sometimes the step of faith isn't a step forward, it's a step around. And you have to work around some things sometimes to get people to Jesus. Sometimes you have to work around their personality. Sometimes you have to work around their attitude. Not you, not you, other people, not you. Sometimes you have to work around their, their theology. I know more people that did not agree with me theologically about healing until they needed a healing. And they'd say, I don't believe in any of this. But hurry up, man, hurry up, pray for me. Yeah, bring that anointing old stuff. I don't believe in this, this is not, the... yeah, hurry up. You speak in tongues, speak in tongues, do that, do that stuff. Whatever it takes, whatever it takes. You'd be amazing, you'd be amazed at, at the things that people believe in when they're desperate. Sometimes you gotta work around the things that people say they don't believe in order to get them to where they need to be. Sometimes it's a step around that's the biggest step of faith. You gotta work around the fact that people are grumpy and complaining. I don't like this, don't like that. Like, Shut up, you're going. Come on, let's go. Like, get up. You need this. Do you have people that can tell you no? Do you have people that can tell you yes? When you've been saying no, you should. You have people that can stand in the gap for you and say, we're taking this to Jesus. We're praying about it. Sometimes it's about a step around. And let me ask it this way. Uh, when did God say that following him would be convenient? Come on, somebody. It's going to be inconvenient and you're going to be uncomfortable. That's normal. Here's the second key. I want to make sure that you see this. Number two, faith friends, stir the heart of Jesus and reveal the hearts of others. I love that Jesus marveled at the friend's faith. That sticks out to me when I read this, that Jesus, multiple times in scripture, looked at a person that needed a touch and says, your faith has made you whole. Your faith has done this. Your faith has made it possible for you to see the miraculous. We see this over and over again. I've preached it. I've preached it many, many times. Your faith, your faith, your faith. Jesus says just a small amount of faith, a mustard seed of faith is your faith. And in this situation, that man was not mentioned at all. It wasn't about his faith. It's the faith of his friends. That impressed Jesus. And so we have two groups of people here that made Jesus marvel. The friend's faith and then the lack of faith on behalf of the Pharisees and teachers of the law. And Jesus is like, why are you, why are you thinking these things? Look at this. This man's friends had enough faith to risk all of that to get him in front of me. That's beautiful. That's amazing. But you don't like my method. And I love how Jesus, man, Jesus knows that as soon as, if, if I was to heal this man right now, that would be the end of this service. But Jesus just milks the moment for a little bit. Because everybody, come on, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Everybody in the place is thinking, is he going to heal this guy? Is this guy that is, we know this guy, he's, he's quadriplegic. He, is he going to stand up and walk? Because this would be great. And Jesus has them all on pins and needles. And he's just like, 
your sins are forgiven. <laughs> That's not what we thought he's going to say. But the Pharisees are like, wait a minute. I came here to see the show, but yet he's forgiven sins. Because until this point, the only people that are allowed to say your sins are forgiven are them. Them. Because they can judge whether or not a person has brought the right sacrifice to have forgiveness of sins. And by the way, it's not forgiveness that they're offering. They offer covering of sins. Because until Jesus goes to the cross, until Jesus' blood pays for those sins, it's, they're just covered. They're not forgiven. They're, they're covered over. And so for Jesus to say that this is a forgiveness issue, that's a big deal. Got a problem with this method. And so Jesus says two great, I love how Jesus just milks this moment. Jesus says, hmm, why are you thinking that way? Let's, let's, let's delve into that for just a moment. What's wrong with your heart? He said, well, which is easier to say? Your sins are forgiven or pick up your mat and walk? Which one's easier? It's easier to say your sins are forgiven. Why? Because who can verify that? How would you know? And he shows them exactly what they do all the time. You say somebody's sins are forgiven, but then you're also saying, well, I know you, and you've, you've had a two-cow week. You need to bring two cows this week, because I, I know you, I know your family, and this land that you brought, that ain't enough. You better bring some more. But Jesus says, which is easier to say? Your sins are forgiven or pick up your mat and walk? What's wrong with your heart? He says, but I want you to know that I have the authority to forgive sins. How can I verify that and prove it? Pick up your mat and walk. And the man stands up. And here is Luke writing, and remarkable things were seen that day. Like, dude, exclamation point. Powerful. What does it show me? It shows me that what impresses Jesus will often offend others. And the faith of this man's friends that brought him to a place of forgiveness was really offensive to the Pharisees. He's stepping on their theology just a little bit. Here's the third thing I want to make sure that you see. Number three, faith friends can trust Jesus with the outcome. Think about, they, do, they go through all of this inconvenience to get this man in front of Jesus, and Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. That's not what we needed. Perhaps someone needs to explain this to Jesus. We're not looking for him to have forgiven, forgiven sins. We need him to stand up and walk. But they don't argue. Think about it. They brought him to Jesus because they wanted him to walk, but Jesus wanted him to be made whole. What does that show me? It shows me that my faith steps won't always get me what I want, but they will always get me what God wants. And oftentimes what God wants is, is different. Now that doesn't, it doesn't mean this. It doesn't, Jesus is not disinterested with our needs, but his priority is for what matters most, that we be in right relationship with God. And that is what your father is more concerned about than anything else that you may be facing. Does this man need to walk? Maybe. What he needs more than that? Forgiveness of sins. You see, the greatest benefit in Christianity is not healing. Now, remarkable things have been seen among us. I've seen God do great things. That's not the greatest benefit of Christianity. 
The greatest benefit in Christianity is the forgiveness of sins. I don't have to go to hell. Jesus is not disinterested with our needs, but his priority is for what matters most, that we be in right relationship with God. And that really is my question for you today. Are you in right relationship with God? And if not, do you have some people that can get you into a place where you can be in right relationship with God? People that can get you into God's presence? Just talk to Jesus. Faith friends can trust Jesus with the outcome. They can trust Jesus with the outcome. Here's what I know, is that there are many, many people who their faith completely vanishes the moment that Jesus doesn't do what they think he should have done. You know it, I know it, you've been there, I've been there, you've seen it, I've seen it. The moment that Jesus doesn't do things in the order or with the method, we can easily become Pharisee. But faith-filled friends can trust Christ with the outcome. Lord, it may not look like what I want, but I trust you. You see, the power of faith exists in the even-ifs of life, not the what-ifs of life. It's the even-ifs. Even if you don't do it this way, I'll still trust you. I still believe. I want to be in right relationship with you so that whatever you say, I will agree with, even if I don't understand it. Is that okay, everybody? You still with me? Here's the fourth and final thing. We'll finish up with this. Uh, Not everyone can carry me, and I can't carry everyone. Not everybody can carry me, and I can't carry everybody. I think there's a tendency for, for many of us to say, oh, yeah, I have some people that can tell me no. I have some people that can that can be very real with me. You know, it's my spouse or maybe my kids or my, or my mom can do that. I, I think it needs to be more than family. My faith circle needs to be more than just family. And I can show you this scripturally in, in, in several different cases, but think about Job. When Job is walking through some of the worst moments of his life and so much have been, has been taken away from him by, by Satan, God has allowed Satan to take so much away from this man's life and he leaves his wife Awkward. Like you can take everything from this man and he leaves his spouse. But we find out why later on because she's not a source of encouragement to him. She's not somebody somebody that's gonna say, hey, you know what? In spite of all this, God is gonna get the glory and you're gonna make it. She doesn't say that at all. She says, you know what you should do? Curse God and just die. Some of you are like, I used to be married to a person just like that. (laughs) Walking through life's most difficult, painful seasons, like, Curse God and die. You just give up. And then his friends come, these people that are supposed to know who he is and what's going on, and they try to say the right things, but all they end up telling him is, you've done something horrible, you better, you better ask for forgiveness because this is God's judgment. That's not God's judgment. They're completely wrong. Now, they, they mean well. They offer no faith. And over and over, Job says, I, I'm... I'm not doing what you think I'm doing. Nobody understands. I'm not here to curse God and die. I haven't done anything wrong. I'm still trusting God no matter what. Let me just tell you, your faith circle has to be more than just family and a couple of close friends. You need people that are gonna take you to Jesus no matter what when you can't get there yourself. Because I know that what, ha- what tends to happen in, in church circles 
Uh, if someone will come to church like, I need a word from God today, and then I start talking about, you know, who can bring you to Jesus? You need people that can bring you to Jesus and maybe need to step away from some bad relationships and get, surround yourself with people that can get you to Jesus when you can't get there for yourself. You know what, what I hear? I get to leave my wife today. That is not what I'm saying. My wife does not get me to Jesus. Like, hey, fight for your marriage, weirdo. Fight for your marriage. It doesn't mean you can just leave your spouse. That's not what I'm talking about. Fight for it. Fight for it. Great marriages are worth fighting for. Come on, somebody. We're not fighting each other. We're fighting together against the powers of darkness that are trying to destroy us. Fight for your marriage. This is what I, I, I get it. I hear this. I'm going to get rid of my kids. Like, don't. You're going to need friends. You need, you need great friends. You need good friends. You need close friends. But you also, you also need it. There's a new circle. You need some faith-filled friends. Because there are going to be times in your life where you need to have more than a spouse. You need to have more than a close friend. You need to have more than people that, that know you. You need to have people that know Jesus. Because there are moments where it's going to take all that you have to just exist. And you can't even find the strength to get to Jesus. One of the greatest things that we have in place for the health of this church is a great group of elders and their wives, a great fantastic staff, and a group of pastors that surround me, that hold me up, that protect the church from me. From me. I am not an island. I have a lot of amazing people that I've surrounded myself with intentionally, people that I've wrote them into the bylaws of our church that I have to listen to them. Why? Because I know what happens when churches build themselves around one personality. I get it. I have to protect the church from me. I have to protect me from me. I have to surround myself with people that will take me to Jesus but I can't get there myself. It's for, it's for your good. So I'm not asking you to do something that I haven't done. This is critical to me. I understand that at any moment I can struggle with mental health. I can struggle with anxiety. I can struggle with depression. And those things take me places far from the presence of God. And I've dealt with it enough to know that when people are reading God's word, even in the middle of life's darkest moments, we should be able to say they find something from God's word, but sometimes our mental health is at a place where we can't read it. It's just words on a page. And there's this huge dark filter between God's word and us. I need people that can step in in that moment and say, I'm gonna read it for you. Stick with me. I need those kind of people because life gets dark. Life gets rough. And you need them. And better yet, look at me, you need to become one to somebody else. Now, I can't carry everybody. And not everybody can carry me. But you better be carrying somebody. And somebody better be carrying you. You see, some people I carry to Jesus. Others carry me to Jesus. So I'll put back the curtain for just a moment. Now, this has been a really difficult season for, for me, for my family, for our church. The, the amount of things that are happening among everyone as we start taking steps of faith is overwhelming. Lots of people walking through the hardest season of their lives. Uh, just this week alone, we've just hit every single morning before I even, uh, before I even start my, my quiet time, I've had phone calls every single morning this morning from horrible situations that are happening. Horrible. Hard things to deal with. But these are the moments that I've prepared for all my life. And these are the moments where I trust the things that I've set up in the light to carry me through the darkness. It's difficult. 
Life gets hard. It's hard to put one foot in front of the other. I had the, the best man at my wedding and my mentor for many years, one of the closest friends I've ever had in my life, he took his own life on Sunday night. And that, was, that was the start of my week on Monday morning, dealing with that with his family, talking to his children, his grandchildren, his wife, preparing for funeral services for someone that you're like, why would you do this? Why? This is someone that gave no indication that this was about to happen. But one moment he's here and then gone. And that's just the beginning of this week. I know the importance of people that can take me to Jesus when I can't get there myself, when I'm struggling, when I'm hurt, when it's hard, when it's awkward, when it's inconvenient. I know these people have tons of things going on in their life too. I got plenty to worry about. And I don't want to be a burden on anybody, but I need those people that are willing to step in and carry me. And you do too. You do too. Some people I carry to Jesus. Other people carry me to Jesus. And it's more than just my spouse. It's more than my kids. It's more than my parents. I need people that I can call and say, hey, I need some help. This, is, this has been a hard week. Would you pray for me? And those people aren't going to say, you know what? Call me back when it's a more convenient time. I'm, I'm just overwhelmed right now. It's fall, and it's not quite as cool as I want it to be. Like, no, I need some for real friends. Like, hey, come on. I need people, and so do you. So do you. Jesus marveled at this man's friend's faith. I want him to marvel at the faith of my friends, too. So to finish up here today, this is my Matt. Everybody say, hi, Matt. Hi. <laughs> That's kind of weird. Now, if I, was to, uh, if I was to put all my weight, my dead weight onto this thing, I am, a, I am 145 pounds of... <laughs> Let me finish, weirdos. In my dreams, I'm 145. <laughs> if, no, if I was to walk across the street to our children's ministry and pick out the, the four strongest four-year-olds... They would have a great time trying to lift me up. If I was to pick out the six strongest four, five, or six-year-old, like, they would, they would they'd give it all they had. They can't lift me. They would mean well. They might have a great time. They don't have the strength to lift me. And I'm a big burden on them. But there are some that I could call on and say, hey, I need to be lifted. And they're like, stay less. Sometimes it takes more. It takes more than just one person. It takes several. So what if I laid all my weight down on here and, and asked for a few, a few of my friends to come? What do you think? Think we could uh, blow out a few backs around here? We can have chiropractor appointments on Monday. My 145 pounds of uh, Mexican steel. So, Natalie, would you come? This is my daughter. She's got a lot of faith. Let's see if she has a lot of strength. My boy Brad, would you come, Brad? How about Pastor James? Would you join me? Would that be all right? You think I need more? You think they can pick up 145 pounds? <laughs> Emma, you want to join us? Come on. 
Let's see. Ugh. If I had all my 145 pounds down on here, what do you think? Think y'all could lift me? You think they can do it? Oh, All right, let's lift on three. One, two, three. Ah! <laughs> it said they lowered him gently. Gently. <laughs> How about some applause for these guys? <laughs> I need some people that can pick me up. Let me, let me, let me finish with a question. Look at me if you would. How much weight does your faith circle lift? How much can they carry? And if you're not sure, then, then not enough. The most important thing is that you identify those people and that you tell them, I give you permission to speak into my life. If you see me struggling, like talk to me, help me. Protect me from me. Protect my wife from me. Should my heart go bad? Should you see me struggling? I need, I need help. And I need people that will bring me help when I'm not even asking for it. Sometimes I don't even have the faith to ask and my pride gets in the way. I need people that can call me. Like, no, I'm picking you up right now. Get some comfortable clothes on. You don't have to look cool, just be comfortable. I need those people. And I have those people. The question is, do you have them? Have you told them, I give you permission? Are there people that you can say, hey, I got you. If you need anything, call me. Do you have those? If this is a foreign concept to you, I want to invite you to get in a group. You need to be in a group. And you're going to find people that you need to lift them as much as you need them to lift you. And God will supernaturally put you together with some people that are walking along the same path. Now, it flies in the face of your pride and your arrogance. It flies in the face of, of, of you not wanting to feel helpless. But the, don't get lost in that. Don't get lost in that. Remember, they're gonna need you too. They need you too. For some of us, it's been a while since you picked up somebody else. I wanna invite you. We, we need your faith. They need your faith. For others, it's been a while since you asked for help. Maybe you're not able to. Find some. Get in a group. Let us help you. Can you receive that, everybody? Is that okay? I want to finish up by asking you if you wouldn't mind bowing your heads. I'm going to do a moment of prayer. We're going to finish up with prayer today. And uh, as we're doing that, I want to specifically pray for those that are walking through a season where you feel really helpless. You may not know what to do. You may not know how to do it. It may be a very difficult time for you. As a matter of fact, with heads bowed and eyes closed, if that's you, if I'm describing your world here recently, would you do me a favor? No one's looking at you. Would you just lift up your hand across this place? I'm not gonna embarrass you in any way. Pastor, I'm walking through a difficult season. Would you just lift up your hand? Yeah. Yeah. There's almost as many hands lifted as those that aren't. And honestly, some of us are struggling so much that we can't even find the faith to lift our hand. I get it. I know. And the good news is Jesus does too. You are in the right place. You took a step of faith by being here today. 
And I believe that God rewards steps of faith. So would you do me a favor? Would you just open up your hands and place them on your knees, almost as if someone was handing you something? Just put yourself in a position, a, an outward sign of an inward, an inward heart that's open to receive from the Lord. I'm going to pray for you right now. And I'm believing that as I pray, that the Holy Spirit is going to come and begin to do a work inside of your heart. He's going to bring you the things that his word says that he can bring. The Bible calls the Holy Spirit an advocate. It calls him a helper. And I believe that we need some help. We need an advocate. Someone that can argue on my behalf. So with hands open before the Lord, let me pray for you. Father, right now, we come to you with open hands, with open hearts, asking for help. Father, sometimes we don't even know the words to say. We're not even sure what the situation entails. Lord, it's just dark and it's confusing and it's cloudy and we're hurt and we're broken and we're messed up and we're sad. We're lonely. We're broke. Lord, there's all kinds of things that are plaguing your people today, but not a single one of those things is greater than you. Not a single one of those things has enough power to compare to your power. We believe, Lord, that you are a mighty God. Your word tells us of your might and your strength. Your word tells us that in you we can find hope. Your word tells us that you are a friend that stays closer than a brother. Your word tells us that you will never leave us. Your word says that you will never forsake us. Your word tells us that you bind up the brokenhearted. Your word tells us that you are a friend. You're a friend. You're a friend. And Lord, I thank you that when you say, my peace, I give you. We have peace from you today as a gift when we feel like we're walking through life's troubled seas, we have peace that comes from you. So Father, I pray that you would help us. Help me. Help us, Lord, in our weakness. Your word says that we can ask you for anything and that you would help. So we ask for help. And we believe that as we ask, you will do what only you can do. Thank you in advance of the miracles and the breakthroughs that are coming because we asked. We start saying thank you right now. Can you just do that with me all across this place? Just begin to thank God. Come on, the thing that brings you into the presence of Jesus, let's thank him in advance, knowing that we're gonna be carrying it out, saying this is what I used to be, this is how I used to be, this is what I used to struggle with, and that's not true anymore. We know that that's gonna happen. Let's start thanking God in advance of the breakthrough. Thank him before it even happens. That's a step of faith. Lord, I thank you for the breakthrough that's happening. Even if I don't see it, I know it's coming. You're a good God and you do good things for your people. You're a good father. You're a good friend. And you're kind to us. Thank you, Lord, for your kindness. We give you praise in the name of Jesus. Now, with heads bowed and eyes closed, perhaps you're here today and you're saying, Pastor, if I'm going to be honest with you, I don't have this whole Jesus thing worked out. I don't really have a relationship with Jesus. Or maybe you grew up in church, but you've gotten so far away from God, and you know that you need to come home. You may wonder, how do I do that? The Bible calls it the prayer of repentance. Another scripture calls it the prayer of faith.
You may not know how to do that. I want to help you just the exact same way that someone helped me one time. If you want a relationship with Jesus, if you want a relationship with your father, then pray with me right where you are. You don't have to pray out loud if that's uncomfortable for you. You'd... The most important thing is not the volume that you pray with, it's that you believe it. Let me help you. The prayer goes like this. Pray with me. Just say, Jesus, I believe you are the son of God. I believe that you came and died, rose from the grave so that I could have life and forgiveness of sins. Forgive me. Save me. I give my life to you right now. In Jesus' name. And with heads bowed and eyes closed, my friend, if that was you and you prayed that prayer, would you do me a favor? Would you just slip your hand up all across this place? That was me, Pastor. Good. That was me, Pastor. I pray with you. Anyone else today? Yes, I see you, young man. Good for you. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Good for you. Anybody else today? I prayed that prayer with you, Pastor. I did. Good for you. I am so proud of you. If that was you and you just raised your hand, I want you to know that there is a phone number appearing behind me on a screen. There's also a QR code. If you will text this number on the screen, 844-HRC-TEXT. If you'll text the words, I pray to that number, I'm gonna send you something that will help you understand what just happened in your heart and what to do next. And I want you to know that I am incredibly proud of you. Good for you. You took a step of faith. I'm proud of you. Well, Highridge family, go ahead and look up at me if you would, then stand up to your feet. It's been such an honor bringing God's word to you here today. I pray that you were strengthened and encouraged by that as, as much as I was. I needed you. I needed this. I'm grateful for you. I have our elders and their wives stepping forward, and they're going to be available to pray for you about anything that you might need prayer for. We believe in the power of prayer. If you're walking through a difficult season and you say, I wish somebody would pray for me, well, this is your moment. But you're going to have to take a step of faith to do it. We believe prayer changes things. We believe prayer works. We believe that God hears the praises and the prayers of his people. And so if you need prayer, we would love to pray for you. Also, uh, on October the 27th, Friday, we have a women's event that is coming that our ladies have been waiting for all year long. <laughs> ladies, it's about to be your time to shine. And let me just say, I know you guys have been anxious and excited to, to see this happen. It's gonna be awesome. Uh, make sure that you get a ticket. Make sure that you let us know that you're coming. Um, there are a lot of you. We have multiple services and there's a lot of ladies that um, even are not a part of our church that wanna be here for that ladies event. And so uh, make sure that you get your tickets quickly. I cannot stand having to tell people, I'm sorry, our event is sold out. There are no more spots left available. So please make sure that we get ours first. So husbands, get your wives here. Get your girlfriends here. Get them both here. We're gonna get them saved. <laughs> and we're gonna believe that God is gonna touch you and touch them and get this thing in the, in the right direction. Come on, somebody. Ladies, we want to make sure that you're a part of that. It's going to be amazing. And we believe that God's going to do great things for our sisters, our moms, our wives, daughters. It's going to be awesome. So make sure you invite your female friends. It's going to be, uh, it's going to be a powerful time. Uh, Pastor Elaine Fisher is coming all the way from Houston. If you've never heard her, this is Pastor Robert Morris's daughter. And uh, I don't care what anybody says. Like, she's the best speaker in that family. Fantastic. And so she's, she's coming here. And, and we believe that what's going to happen is going to be nothing short of awesome. So make sure you get your, uh, get your registration done. And uh, hope to see you there. I'm going to be watching on, this, on the screen since I'm not welcome, apparently. <laughs> I told him, I identify as female now. That's a thing. I can... 
<laughs> what? Now, let me pray for you and redeem this thing before it gets off track. <laughs> Father, would you bless my friends with a great week? Would you watch over them? Would you help them to become all that you've called them to be as they walk by faith in Jesus' name? And all of us said together, amen. God bless you as you go. Have a great week. Thank you so much for listening in today. Our prayer is that you are encouraged and strengthened by the message. If you haven't done so yet, be sure to subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review wherever you're listening. If you want to be a part of our online community, connect with us through Facebook or Instagram with the handle at HighRidgeLV, or you can check out our website at HighRidgeLV.com. Lastly, if this ministry has impacted your life and you'd like to support its work, visit HighRidgeLV.com give. We appreciate your support and we're believing with you today for God's best in your life. Have an incredible week and we will see you next time.